Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I've got the great pleasure once again to have Jim Vance, who is an elite coach for and I guess you're the revolutionary on the concept of running with power, the holy grail of tracking metrics while we're running. And, you know, we've been back and forth with this, you and I, Jim, for a while now, and I've been waiting for the book to come out, and I finally got a chance to sit down with it, and I'm really pleased to have you back, Jim. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to be back. I'm pleased to have the book done. Yeah, I'll bet you are. <laughs> I'll bet you are. I mean, I know what a frustrating thing it is to try to create a book. I've had firsthand experience, and I'm probably the worst. People make jokes about when my next book will come out because it took me like nine years to write the first one. <laughs> and, and I'm 63 now, so I mean, I, I've only got so much time left on the clock. I can't. Anyway. So I just want to make this very clear. The name or the title of the book is Run With Power. It's the complete guide to Power Meters for Running, and it was written by Jim Vance, who we have with us today. Yeah, yeah, last time I was on the show with you, I was still just learning everything, and I think I was in Hawaii, in Kona, in October. Absolutely, and, uh, yes, you were. Yeah, and uh, I was I had literally only had a power meter for a few weeks at that point, <laughs> so I was i was still learning everything, and oh, just... Uh, yeah, that was that was that was part of this. That was actually the scariest part of writing the book was it was all new technology, and I, I knew that if I wrote something that turned out later to not be true, that people would let me know. So I had to, <laughs> I was, I was stressing and researching like crazy, and uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff I left out of the book because I just uh, I was like, oh, this I don't know if I'm ready to throw this out to the world yet. Well, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it, and. You know, you're taking a bullet. You're taking a bullet for, for the rest of us that, that are going to follow in your footsteps because somebody needed to do it. Somebody needed to broach the concept of how in the heck would you take this information and apply it to running. And, well, I mean, there's obvious reasons why we would want to do this, and we're going to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, I applaud you for, for jumping out there and getting after it. So I got lots of questions from from a, a professional perspective in this whole thing, being a running coach myself, what was the biggest hurdles that you found where you were trying to make sense of the information you were gathering? Oh, that, that's easy. I kept thinking, kept thinking like a cyclist. <laughs> um, even the, uh, the table of contents that I, that I submitted to uh, VeloPress, the publisher, um, was was very much followed a very similar pattern to Friel's, uh Joe Friel's book, The Power Meter Handbook for for cyclists and triathletes, and and I was trying to follow that, and I was I realized 
I was actually even trying to read the information in a way that fit the table of contents. And obviously that, that wasn't working. (laughs) So I had to stop and ask myself, okay, am I writing a story that I want to write or am I writing the story of what this really is? And I was like, okay, I've got to start, start from scratch and go back and, and look at this because in, in cycling, all, all anybody cares about is Watts and, but in but in running, it's not necessarily even about watts. Watts just enhances the metric of pace. So it became, you know, it 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 made a total new mindset for me in the way that I needed to approach this. So uh, it was uh, that was that was the biggest challenge to overcome. Really, stop thinking like a cyclist and trying to fit this square peg into a, a round hole. So so and once I once I did that and I really started. Then, then the creative parts of me really started, you know, uh, started to come out. And uh, wow, I wonder if I can learn this about it. I wonder if I can learn that about it. And and so, like I said, there's a lot of stuff I didn't even put in the book that I think down the road will be, uh, you know, will be useful. But uh, certainly, these were the key points, and uh, I was I was really excited to learn them. Good. Now, we talked about this a little bit ago. I guess it's worth bringing it up now. So I'm a heart rate guy. You know, people want to call me a heart rate guy. I guess they do that because I do testing. But I, and I try to correct people and tell them all the time that I'm really not a heart rate guy. I'm more of a data guy. I want to know what's going on. And the more information I can gather, the more effectively I'm able to coach or guide people. And so this is a very powerful metric, being able to see what yield and power you can produce relative to your cost, right? So Mm -hmm. your heart rate is a pretty good representation of cost. And I'm going to grant you that it does lag. If you're doing a sprint workout or something like that, your heart rate is going to be pretty much useless in the short term and even a little bit of lagging behind in the recovery where power is going to give you data that's instantaneous. It's going to tell you exactly what occurred in the moment. But it's still... I would like to believe it's it's still worth hanging on to the heart rate and collecting this data simultaneously because you have two really good comparatives when you when you well not not only that but if you add to it uh, GPS where you're looking at distance pace cost of work heart rate and power output now you got a whole smorgasbord of information to draw from right well, yeah, I mean, you've, you're really getting the total picture in terms of what's happening internally, you know, in the body and what's happening happening externally in terms of performance and what that ratio is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things. Power, power just really helps to define that relationship between the effort level and the actual production of, of pace or speed that you're running at. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and certainly now you you start you you start to look at heart rate with that, and and now you're you know now you're now you're seeing almost three dimensions, you know. So uh, how hard is the in, the inside of the body working? You know, your heart, your cardiovascular system. You know what? How biomechanically are you working in the sense of of your power output? You know, forces applied and the speed at which you're applying, and then okay, what is that really equating to in terms of a speed? So I think I think it's it's really uh, it's really giving you you know the the full the full the full picture. Right. Now, without going into 
a laundry list. I'm just curious to know, in the course of your research and in preparing to write this book up until today, how many devices have you run into that are considered capable of producing power data for a runner? So, th- believe it or not, I, there's four that I that I think two that that advertise. Um, so that's RPM squared and Stride. Um, and there's two new product, two newer I think uh, products that are that are out that I think will do something similar. Um, now, will they will they call it power? They're not really calling it power, um, but uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing uh, definitely the potential based upon what they're measuring. That that it's they could easily uh, you know <laughs> get power get a decent estimation uh, of power from it. So it's uh, you know it's an exciting time. I mean you know power meters and cycling there really was only like one or two brands initially and then it just exploded. Right. Um, now we've got tons of them. So you know I think I think you're probably going to see that. Um, and and you know the real part about cycling power meters too that that was slow in their development. You know, they've been around for a long time. It's it's really just lately that the price has come down. But even now, your you know your your cheapest power meter is is for for cycling is still more expensive than than the most expensive running power meter. So, you know, your the the barrier to entry for this for runners is is certainly very inexpensive and and uh, certainly for the cost benefit, I think uh, it's. It, it has a lot of potential. I've seen, I mean, I would say a lot of athletes, you know, Garmin's probably the most popular watch there is for runners. Um, and most Garmin's nowadays cost cost more than what running power meters do. Right. Well, they do. Yeah. They get up around 600 bucks depending on the bells and whistles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, you know, the, the idea that runners don't want to spend money is uh, – these or won't do it is is just not true so uh, i think that uh that we'll see a much larger uh, explosion of of use of running power meters uh much quicker you know we're also in a data in a data world i mean people understand and appreciate data and certainly technology is benefiting us in every every aspect of our lives uh, so you know, even from heating our heating our home, I mean, I've got a smart a smart thermostat in my house, you know. Right. So uh, it's just so the, the most basic things, and and I think that people now are used to that, and they're not really afraid of data or numbers, especially if uh, if there's an easy way to get meaning from them. So that and that's really where we're at. If we can begin to get quick quick uh quick feedback and and meaning to the data for for the athlete that's that's going to be uh probably the 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 be- the next thing that really helps it uh have a good surge in uh popularity and use okay so i got a couple of questions that i think might be interesting first of all i'm looking here where again this is probably you wearing your cycling hat to some degree um where you come up with a way to find your running functional threshold power Mm -hmm. and obviously enough in cycling we do the same thing and so you've created your down and dirty method of determining your functional threshold power by doing two time trials essentially a three minute all all out effort and then a nine minute all out effort and you separate the two with about 30 minutes worth of recovery Mm -hmm. and then what you're doing is 
You take the average of the two, and I'm just quoting your book here. So it says, for example, if you did 350 watts in the three-minute time trial, 300 watts for the nine-minute, you get an average of about 325 watts, which would be your functional threshold power. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. 90% of that would be plus or minus 3% your functional threshold power. So here's where I'm going with the question. Now, if I didn't know anything about heart rate, I would use that, I don't want to call it a zone, let's call it a limiter, for my training. But given that I do know something about heart rate, what's the correlation, and I guess this is a question I should have asked a long time ago, what's the correlation in calories expended relative to watts? Well, that, that comes out in your kilojoules, which is, uh, you know, the total total work done, um, you know, in energy. So since the body tends to tends to be at a, you know, at a, at a four to one, uh, you know, economically only at about, you know, 25 percent, uh, you take your kilojoules and your kcals actually tend tend to tend to uh, line up almost almost equally. So. But in the book, I kind of talk about that, and I, I address it, but I don't put much stress on in terms of uh, kilojoules. And uh, but um, I think I think uh, the key thing that you're talking about, if you're going to use it as a limiter, is to look and say, okay, well, I'm not allowed to go out and run outside of you know this this wattage, say my zone three. I even created power zones based upon I had a study, I had a number of athletes using these and I would have them go out and do intervals and I would have to figure out, okay, what's what's the percentage of, of their functional threshold power that they're running at at these intervals. So certainly uh took a long time to to nail that down. But, you know, that helps athletes kinda kinda look and say, okay, well if I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna you know, I want to do marathon intensity. Well, that's either zone two or zone three, depending on how fast you are. So, you know, if an athlete's going out and running at zone four, well, that's that's too hard. You know, they're, they're watts. Um, but really, the big thing that I do in the book is I talk about I, I talk about early on. You know, I think power power is great for collecting data and and reviewing post workout. You know, analysis post workout. Not so much uh, riding workouts based upon power. No, I, I kind of get that. But I, mm-hmm. I guess where I'm going with this is that, and when I said limiter, I wasn't suggesting that you're going to do one thing. What, mm-hmm. I, what I'm suggesting, and, and I'll point to it, is it's substrate utilization. How can we determine, based on the power, whether we're accessing a greater percentage of fat versus sugar? We just assume that because the intensity is less that that's the case. Um, because I would like to believe that as your efficiency improves, mechanical efficiency improves, your power output is going to improve relative to substrate utilization. So we'd look at the same thing when we're comparing heart rate to pace, I guess. Uh, I'm just curious how if you kind of messed around with that type of thing and, or whether that's even on your radar at all. Well, you know, certainly I haven't been able to prove that zone one efforts are, are in, in power, you know, are working the exact same, uh, you know, as zone one heart rate. I was on a little too, too short of a timetable from my publisher to really prove that. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, certainly I've seen that in cycling, uh, in use of a power meter there. I've just certainly seen it in, in the use of, uh, 
of heart rate monitors while running. Um, I haven't lately coached any athletes to a marathon where I would where I would do a lot of uh, prescribing zone one. I'm doing a lot of retroactive, uh, you know, post analysis to to kind of see how these lined up. But um, you know, it's I haven't been able to prove that in a lab. Um, and I don't think anybody else really has yet. I mean, that's the thing. This technology is still so new. Well, we're still zone one to zone one wouldn't mean much to me. I guess mm-hmm. where it would become more of an issue is when we start talking about functional threshold power. Sure. We start getting in and up and around where potentially, let's just call it lactate threshold power. Sure. Um, Absolutely. So, so, you know, how that kind of marries up and whether there's some some reliability in those measurements. Sure. So in that in the book there was a second test that I also list called uh, just a 30 minute time trial, and believe it or not, I've been using that time trial that 30 minute test on athletes, runners, triathletes, everything for geez years. I got it from Friel, right? Uh, Joe Friel, and it's and we found it to be pretty darn accurate in terms of assessing uh, threshold, uh, thre- you know, threshold heart rate. A lactate threshold and and even threshold pace for an athlete. Are we speaking um, of cycling or running? This is for running. Okay. This is for running. So, so I've been you know what I found in that I'm like wow well okay these are functional tests that really give us these types of things. Well, I, so I started looking at uh, what what happened in, with power in those tests, and and what I found was it was pretty darn close to the other tests. So. I've, and and it, and it's funny that's uh, that is one of the ways too that we found that also in cycling, not obviously not with pace in cycling, but certainly with heart rate and power. So it uh, it it turned out to be pretty good. The the real issue that's and this is one of the big differences in running in running with power versus say cycling and power with power, your watts actually increase for a lot of for most athletes as they fatigue. Um, now that that goes to a certain point, um, obviously that's uh, it's not infinite. But uh, as athletes begin to fatigue, they actually become more inefficient. They they do more work, but they're not able to, or or the same work or rather, but for less speed. Right. But what I actually found was even athletes who run very steadily paced, their watts increase. So how much do those watts increase? And then okay, based upon that, how you know, where do where do you draw the line and say this is threshold watts? Okay, let me ask you a question. So when you're talking about those comparatives, are they targeting pace and then you find that in order for them to sustain pace, their watts went up? Correct. Okay. So then it becomes a, exponentially becomes more expensive to maintain the same pace and it's showing up in their watts. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's and it, it generally, and so that's why even in my, you know, when my power zones that I came up with, like threshold power, let's say you really want to go out and work on your lactate threshold, if you know, or, you know, that type of work rate. Well, then 96 to 105% of your functional threshold power is right in that range because an athlete might start off in that test running at, in the high, high 90%, uh, but by the end, they're, they're well over 100% of what their threshold power is. So it's, uh, it's not cut and dry. I mean, if an athlete on a bike saw their, saw their Watts increase as they fatigued, they, they'd be thrilled. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a bit different. Assuming that there's, there's pace hasn't fallen off. Correct. correct. <laughs> I and it. I should, and I should probably preface this because people are like, how it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. So 
I think this will probably help. We have three types of power. We have vertical power, up and down. We have horizontal power, forward and back. And we have lateral power, left and right, side to side. So, so three-dimensional, right? Those three dimensions. So now you have, you have to produce some vertical power. You know, otherwise you're not running. Running is lifting the body off the ground, the feet off the ground, in order to progress forward. Well, I'm sure you as a coach, you've seen a lot of athletes who have high vertical oscillation. They just jump up. You know, they don't really go very far. Those athletes would have high vertical power, less than horizontal power. So you've got to have some vertical power. How much vertical power? Well, that depends on a lot. (laughs) You know, are you running uphill? Are you running downhill? Are you running on the flat? What are you, what are you doing? You know, so, you know, how, you know, how, uh, how hard are you running in fact? So, so you're going to have some vertical power, but there comes a point where vertical power is not helping you to run forward. If all we cared about was vertical power, then you would pretty much just need to jump up and down and you would have high vertical power. So, so it's really about, you know, that, that even that relationship of vertical to horizontal power. So, uh, you know. I was going to go there with you next, incidentally, um, mm-hmm. and because that's always been uh, a consideration that I have. I, I measure vertical oscillation in my lab here almost daily. How do we separate the two? Is there a way that we can uh, subtract the vertical oscillation from our forward progress? That's where it's going to take the the actual products and the data that they're sending out to be to be able to have different traces. Um, you know, and say, okay, here's your vertical power, here's your horizontal power. So, uh, so one of the things I've tried to do, and that's that's really where my speed per watt concept that I talk about in the book, which I think is the most important concept, uh, really is designed to, to help them do. Um, you know, to look at, okay, here's here's the speed that you're running at in meters per minute relative to the watts you're producing. So athletes can look at that and see, well. You know, I, if I'm if I'm if I have the same wattage, but I'm running faster, then I've got a bigger number, and that's a good thing. So it's it helps to helps to kind of bring some meaning to the athletes to look at it. I call it efficiency index. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, because I think that's that's really what it's about. Now, I have taken some heat from uh, certain uh, from some of the. Uh, the more scientific uh, community that says, well, efficiency is energy in, energy out. This is not efficiency. And I said, correct. But, uh, you know, one one prominent power person calls it effectiveness, uh, running effectiveness. And that's Dr. Andrew Coggin, who I have a lot of respect for. Right. Um, and I'm like, that's great. But uh, when I <laughs> if I told a runner, hey, you need to be more effective, it would kind of <laughs> look at me cross-eyed like, what does that mean? But if I said, hey, you need to be more efficient this way, then now I'm speaking their language. So it's I felt like it, it really yeah. is semantics. I mean, at the end of the day, in in my mind, I tell people, well, not in my day to day, I tell people that there's essentially two things we concern ourselves with as an athlete is our economy and our efficiency. And if you, if you're pushing a lot of Watts up into the air, every stride you take, that's a lot of waste. If you're patting yourself on the back because you're punching out 500 Watts, but all of it's going up and down and your pace is a, uh, you know, a, a 10 minute mile, you got nothing, right? You're just beating yourself down or up. Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, and I, yeah, it's like, like I said, it's semantics, but, I guess it's uh it's interesting. So now 
we get this functional threshold power, and from that, you've developed zones. Then you're developing training programs relative to the distances that are going to be traveled, and then where the intensity should lie in the in the programming, where the recovery should lie in the programming. And rather than with heart rate, it's essentially just uh, substituted with power, right? Yeah, I, I do try to tell athletes, hey, look at this relationship and uh, try and, you know, and go out and run what you think is, say, in the half marathon plan, training plan. Go out and run your half marathon pace and see if it lines up with your with the zones that correlate to that time, you know, and that goal that you have. So, because obviously the zones are based on a time range. The higher intensity you, you know, you, the shorter you can actually be on a race course, the higher the intensity you can hold. So that even changes the zones that you'll actually train in based upon how fast of a runner you are. Right. So that's, so I really try and encourage people even in the training plans to say, you know, go out and do your thing and then, and, and learn about yourself from the power data. Don't don't start just saying, oh, I'm going to go out and do intervals at zone four power. It's like, okay, yeah, you can do that, but you know, learn about yourself first. See what the data, the power data tells you about your own tendencies, and maybe what you can learn. So, you know, like, there's so much in the future that we're really just scratching the surface. But I think it's one of the key things of this might just be when an athlete goes out on a run and they realize. Wow, my 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 speed per watt number has greatly de- decreased. Um, I'm I'm working way too hard to hold this speed. Well, I'm sure at some point that's a good. Uh, there's a there's a range of that that an athlete would like to know that's not beneficial. It's time to take a day off, you know, or address right. something else, or maybe an injury perhaps that that's changing their gait. So. So those are some of the things, and we we just don't know enough right now. Um, we're still we're still kind of learning, but uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. Well, and, and and you touched on something that I really liked um, in what I was reading in respect to uh, getting a better sense of your recovery. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at the stress that's associated with the the power output, then it becomes uh, definitive. You could start to see, well, man, you know, this whole week. My my power output is is going up and my pace is falling off because I'm working my butt off to try to stick to the numbers that I set myself up for, and it's not going it's not working. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty good indication that you're you're it's time for some recovery. Absolutely, absolutely. So I do like that. I really like that a lot. the The other thing that I looked at when I'm full disclosure for those that are listening, I've been sponsored by RPM Squared for a while now, and I've been have my ear to the ground about the products and the technology for some time now. And one of the things that I found to be exciting about the technology is the ability to gather information about how you're making contact with the earth and the frequency in which you're making contact with the earth. And, you know, the RPM square uh, will provide that. It's going to give you a sense of the, the part of your foot that you're landing on. I mean, getting we're talking about some pretty complex things here, but try to appreciate that when I do gait analysis for people and I show them a video of them landing on their heel and they look at me like a deer in the headlights are shocked that they thought they thought they were landing on their midfoot. In fact, mm-hmm. they were, they were heel striking like crazy and overstriding and they didn't know they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple things like that, being able to get back that type of information and then, you know, hone in on it and start to make some adjustments and correct the way you're moving. 
And then those are the types of things that are going to start to really show up in your yield, right? Your power output is going to improve, your pace and relative to power output is going to improve, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, that's really the beauty of the data is, and the, the efficiency index metric of speed per watt is, you know, you make one small change, you're going to see a difference right away in that number, right. and, positive or negative. Sometimes it's good to know, like, okay, no, that did not work. <laughs> well, but I mean, I think that, that too, uh, like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of time trialing. Sure. So, for example, I got a client come in uh, tomorrow that I'm going to do a VO2 and a gate on them. We're going to, I always do the VO2 before we do the gate work. I don't want to get in their head and start messing with them in respect to the way they're moving. I just want to find out what they're bringing to, to me. Sure. And then after we've done that, I tell them first order of business is I want them to do a time trial. I want them to go out and, and, and compare the heart rate responses uh, relative to the threshold that I've, I've uh, prescribed and cover a distance and tell me how long it took you. Mm-hmm. Table the information, let's go to work, and let's start looking for improvements. And But if you were doing it with power, this information is going to come to you all the time. It's going to be, it's going to be a steady stream of information that what you're doing at the moment is not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very, especially if you've got a watch that's going to show you your pace relative to power, right? Yep, yep, and there's already little metrics on some of those for it. So, uh, yeah, and uh, with some some apps and IQ like Garmin Connect IQ app store and uh, Sunto Moves Count, uh, both both watches that uh, right now uh, have that. So yeah, all good stuff. Now, are they are they uh, functioning with the the hardware you're seeing through Bluetooth? Yeah, uh, yeah Bluetooth. Uh, I believe. Uh, you know, I, I don't know all the specifics about all of them, but yeah, for the most part, uh, I know that RPM Squared is is about to launch their ANT Plus, so that it'll work with watches and not just the phone soon. So, uh, you know, I know that's going to be big for them in terms of uh, a great opportunity with the market. But uh, Strides Strides Unit does does do that. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was a better runner. I'd go out and play with it. <laughs> I hear you. So what's the, what's the uh, what's the other um, earth-shattering observations you gathered in the course of this research? Because I think this is fascinating, and I and I patted you on the back earlier. I'm going to do it again because you did. You stepped right out there, and you're, you're taking this bull by the horn, so to speak, and you're applying this interesting technology to this free-form movement, and and it's tough. I mean, the technology is it's not going to be easy in coming in respect to working this out because, and, and I guess uh, the, the best terms that I can use for an analogy is that this is an open chain kinetic effort as opposed to closed chain. So being on a bike, because the wheel's always in contact with the earth, you're not dealing with vertical oscillation or all the slop that goes up and down or side to side like it does when you're running. So it's a little trickier, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I can tell you I've seen entirely different uh athlete power files of even the almost the exact same course and and with the opposite things happening (laughs) athletes whose power goes up on downhills athletes whose power decreases on downhills um athletes who i mean it's just tons of things so uh, it really has it's almost like a fingerprint of an athlete in terms of what's going on uh you know you know through their kinetics their biomechanics so it's uh that was probably the biggest, the biggest thing, and and of course, like I say, it, just how different it is from cycling. So those, 
that uh, that was that was just a new concept because in this, you know, your power can go up and your power can go down, and both can be good things. So, <laughs> yeah, know. that is really interesting. So yeah, um, and so that wouldn't be the case so much with your well, I guess it would too, heart rate too. You know, mm-hmm. if you start to notice that that you're able to produce more pace with less heart rate, that's a good thing. But at the same token, being able to get your heart rate up is an indication things are probably going pretty well too. Mm-hmm. In some exactly. cases, right? Yeah. So, what about the book was your was the part that you enjoyed the most in respect to the information? I mean, this the the oh my god, this is great stuff part for you. Oh, I'd say just understanding the zones and and really uh, you know finalizing that and really being confident to say yeah I, these zones will work. This this is I'm pretty spot on here. Um, so, you know, I think that was the key because I think athletes want that. And then the other thing of course was, uh, you know, just being able to do training plans. I know the publisher was at first, I was not confident to do that. And then as I got more research done and and felt good about it, uh, you know, I felt like the training plans really helped kind of show where the rubber meets the road in the application of, of the, you know, the information in the book. So, uh, being able to do that and, uh, you know, those training plans I think will be successful for for a lot of athletes in those time ranges. So, uh, yeah, just, just uh, probably those those were some of the most satisfying things. Mm-hmm. As far as populations of the people that you're working with, is it the triathletes for the most part that are embracing this the most? I would think the correlation between coming off the bike with power into running with power just the metrics are familiar, and they, they seem to try to draw some lines there. Is that probably right? Sure, sure. There's definitely that. And I also spend a lot of time in the triathlon community, so I'm approached by triathletes a lot. So, uh, you know, but uh, I think you're going to see uh, more runners for sure as it as it goes. Well, as I suggested to you before we started, uh, the obstacle course racing community, they are really, really passionate about improving performance. And I believe that there's a lot of people out there listening right now that I, I know that have followed me for a while and I work with that have been looking at this. And, you know, it's like gorillas in the mist, you know. They're kind of dancing around it, not sure what to do. And just, well, if, I, if I reach out, will it bite me, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure it out. But what we've gleaned from the sport so far is that if you don't run well, you can't win. And, and that's that's the that's a big deal. I mean, you got to be able to improve the way you're moving, and the more information you can get, the better. So, I love it. I would love to have a client call me up one day and say, "Listen, by the way, in the Training Peaks account we have, uh, I'm going to start sending you power information along with all the other metrics that we've been playing with." And that would be really fun. Uh, I, I probably need to to shove some of these insoles in some clients' shoes and and start doing it myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, experimentation and learning—you'll you'll learn a lot. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So, is there anybody else out there that's kind of chasing behind this and and uh, got your back on it, or 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 having contrary beliefs about how this works? I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just curious. Because well, right now you're like alone, man. You're like you're yeah, on an oasis. Uh, I'd say Dr. Coggin is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, certainly, well, you're you know he's still doing a lot in terms of metrics using WKO4. Yep. Um, with some great stuff, um, you know, he's he's really taking a science approach to it, which is great. Um, like I say, I have a lot of respect for him and and how he does it. Uh, I think 
you know, it's still such a new tool. And and I, here's one thing I think most people, most of the people in that community, they're like, okay, well, you know, I want to see trends first. I need to see proof before I start to really buy into X, Y, or Z. And and so that's why I've I've been a very big advocate of just do your training, collect the data, then go back and look at it and see what you learned. Um, and I think that's that's probably the best way for, for a lot of people, even those who doubt it. You know, it's like, okay, try it and, you know, don't commit to it. Just collect it and and afterwards see if, what see if you know, you learn anything or what you thought would happen happened. Maybe it didn't. So I think that's good advice across the board. I think even with heart rate, you know, a lot of people will, you know how it was back in the day. People would buy a heart rate monitor because their buddy bought one and, They'd put it on for a day or two and then get frustrated with it and put it in the drawer and never pull it back out again. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was at Wildflower, and I was representing a heart rate monitor company, and this is probably uh, 15, 16 years ago. And my whole shtick while I was there was to uh, survey triathletes and ask them, whether they owned a heart rate monitor and whether they were going to wear it during the race. And I would say that 90% of them that I interviewed said that they owned one and probably 5% of them actually were going to wear it during a race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, my argument was is the reason that they weren't going to wear it during the race is they just didn't understand it. Yeah, well, it can be uncomfortable and uh, things like that, yeah. I, I never wore one in a race. I. McKeeley Jones one time told me a heart rate monitor can't tell me how my legs feel. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, that's true, but. <laughs> but well, I, yeah, yeah, and I think during well, once I started collecting power too, uh, I kind of was a lot like, uh, a lot like uh, Hunter Allen back in you know with him saying uh, we're all uh, we're all on power now. So, but uh, I was collecting something for sure. But. Well, I just think that uh, at the end of the day, if, if you're training effectively and you're gathering as much information as possible, come race day, you've got a pretty good sense of what you're capable of doing or not capable of doing, and you get a pass. You don't need to wear the chest strap. You don't, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've kind of conditioned myself over the years to finally come to that uh, conclusion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the biggest problem was most people were just not sure what to do with the information and when it didn't say what they would hope it was going to say, that it frustrated them. So, I mean, and so I like the approach of saying, hey, you know what, get out there and just wear it, play with it, let it give you information, keep an eye on what's happening and learn from it. And then, you know, as you get a little closer to the data understanding, then you start putting it to practice. Exactly. I think it's great. Uh, remind me again what the other book is that you wrote. Uh, Triathlon 2.0. Triathlon 2.0. Data-driven tra- uh, performance training. So, so you yeah. skipped right over 1.0, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's get right on to the people that are really trying to get this done. The 1.0s don't count. And it's it's a lot of the same concepts. Power for, for half Ironman, Ironman athletes, and pace data and heart rate using those types of things. So it yep. uh, does not cover power for running because when I wrote that, it was took me four years to write that book. So it Obviously, I had a lot of a lot of research, and power wasn't power for running wasn't even out yet. Well, you're still young, so you got time yeah. to do that, right? Exactly. <laughs> so then we got Run with Power 2.0 coming out in. No, Run with Power uh, uh, 2.0. There won't be a 2.0 <laughs> yeah. at least not right now. There'll be. There might be. We'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Yeah, but uh, 
Run with Power has been out since um, about May one, and yeah. So and there's an ebook out now. They just uh, launched out. Uh, I want to say just a week or so ago. So ah, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, uh, I know you got an appointment coming up, and I don't want to sure. keep you much longer, but I really appreciate the information. I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of the concept of utilizing power in running. I, I, um, I'm a student of the arts, so I'm always paying attention to this technology, and I've always been a little bit of a geek. So I, I like looking at this information, especially when working with clients, and I appreciate sure. that guys like you have put this information out there for guys like me put it to work. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. It's a pleasure, man. Enjoyed it. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.